it's time to get you right. It's legal lens with Angela Redock Wright. KBLA Talk, fifteen eighty. Every Saturday, eleven a.m. Baby, bringing light to law. Hit it, educate, engage, and empower you all. Leading attorneys, policy makers, no fake in history in the making. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens show. Come on, let's go. It's time for the legal lens. It's time for the legal lens. Go, 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 go. Yes, yes, it is time for the Legal Lens Show. This is Angela Redock Wright. You're tuned into KBLA 1580 Talk Radio. We are so excited to be with you this Saturday, which or this weekend, which is the third weekend of February 2022. You are in the right place. Sit back, relax for the next hour, and let us share with you and bring some legal light to you. Let us share with you some insights and um, information that is designed to help empower you around legal and policy. Policy issues. You're listening to Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright, where we bring law to light each Saturday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are broadcasting live from Lamert Park, USA. Yes, Lamert Park, USA. If you haven't heard of it, if you haven't been here, you must make it a stop as a part of your. If you live here in LA, of course, I hope you've been here. But if you haven't, you must make it a part of your weekend visits to come to Lamert Park, which is a part of the heart of what we call Black Los Angeles. And if you're from out of town, when you come to visit Los Angeles, you definitely have to stop in to see Lamert Park and what it's all about. An exciting place. And our KBLA Talk 1580 studios are here and we love being here. You can follow me at I am Angela Redock Wright on Facebook and Instagram to learn the latest about the show, the latest about legal issues that we're hearing in the news, and just to follow our work overall. Our goal is to empower you in everything that we do. It's the month of February, and I'm loving February. So many great things to celebrate. We have Black History. We have, we just, just, just this past week, we celebrated love and Valentine's. And of course, our LA Rams brought home the Super Bowl championship. So go LA Rams. Whose house is it is definitely your house. And we congratulate the team, the coaches, the city of Inglewood, and everyone that's just involved in delivering on a great sporting event for Los Angeles. It is my hope that many businesses, small businesses, especially in the residents of Inglewood and the surrounding areas benefited from this great event that was in our, in our region. So um, go, go Rams. Um, I know your weekend time is valuable. So I appreciate you for taking time to tune in and to listen to our show from week to week and to tune in for the next hour. Many thanks, of course, to our continued listeners and our new listeners. We welcome you and we ask you to spread the word. There's no way we could have a show, especially a talk show, if we didn't have people listening and calling in. So please spread the word and please give us a call during this next hour. 
You can call us on our power lines at 1-800-920-1580. We want to hear from you. It's not just a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation where we want to hear what's on your minds as well. Of course, you can listen um, on your radios. If anybody still has a radio, of course, you have radios in your car, but in your home, you can listen at the on the 1580 AM dial if you're in Los Angeles. And um, if you need to get out, start your Saturday errands, start your Saturday um, moving about and hanging with family and friends. You can download the app if you haven't already. KBLA Talk 1580 in your Play Store on any of your listening or streaming devices. And guess what? If you go to the KBLA app and you download it, you actually could be eligible like Cynthia McNair, um, who recently won the KBLA Black History Month swag bag. Um, Congratulations, Cynthia. You could be like Cynthia and win the KBLA um, Black History Month swag bag, which has so many great things as a part of it. And all you have to do is download the app. And when you download, tell us who your favorite historical figure is from Black history. That's all you got to do. So you get the benefit of being entered into our swag bag contest and being able to listen to us wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing. It is February and this is the third week in February. And this week in February in um, history on February 19, 2002, Vonetta Flowers became the first black gold medalist in the history of the Winter Olympic Games. She and her partner, Jill Brecken, won the, in, the inaugural women's two person bobsled event. So it's great that that happened this week in history because this actual week, this past week, we had 29-year-old Aaron Jackson um, who won the gold medal in the 500-meter speed skating event at the Beijing Winter Olympics. So we congratulate Aaron Jackson, congratulate everything that she represents about women and black women and just about being a champion and working hard and being so disciplined um, to be excellent in her field. Um, according to Team USA, Erin Jackson is the first U.S. woman to win a speed skating gold at the Olympics since Bonnie Blair did so in 1994 and the first black woman to win an individual medal in speed skating. So, again, kudos to Erin Jackson. You make us proud. This week, it is also Smokey Robinson's famed R&B singer, Smokey Robinson's birthday. So you'll find that all of our songs today are in tribute to him, um, who is one of the greats. And so happy birthday, Smokey Robinson. He was born February 19th, 1940. Today, we are talking all things NFL with um, top sports agent Henry Organ of the Disruptive Sports Agency. And then following him, we will have Assemblyman Mike Gibson, who is going to talk about his recent work and around law enforcement and police reform. So take a seat, drive around, do whatever you're doing, download the app, but stay tuned to us. We have an exciting conversation. We want you to be a part of it and give us a call 1-800-920-1580. You're listening to KBLA 1580 Talk Radio, and this is Legal Lens with Angela Redock Reich. As we come forward, you'll meet the amazing Henry Organ. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Yes, that is Smokey Robinson with one of my favorite songs. 
It's his birthday this week, so we're paying tribute to him. And you are tuned into KBLA Talk 1580, Legal Lens with Angela Redock-Wright. And today we are talking to sports agent Henry Organ. Um, let's go ahead and bring Henry on to the line, Odell. Odell's our engineer today. Henry is the founder of the Disruptive Sports Agency. Um, as an agent, Henry helps maxim- players maximize their NFL contracts and create a game plan for their success on and off the field. As an agent, he wants to change the culture. The main purpose of Disruptive is to change the cultural norms from within, and Henry is making it cool for athletes to save money and understand investing. He has been named a top young up-and-coming black sports agent. He negotiated Kendrick Bournes' free agency deal for $22.5 million, and he's negotiated over $25 million in player contracts. Welcome, Henry. We are so happy to have you as a part of our show today. How are you? Doing fantastic, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. And thank you for making time to be here. So, you know, top of the news these past few weeks and really the past few years, the NFL continues to be in the news with both good things and things that need to change within the NFL, you know, from Colin Kaepernick Kaepernick taking a knee um, to Mm -hmm. issues around diversity, equity and inclusion in the the league. Um, Most recently, Brian Flores' lawsuit. Mm -hmm. So we want to take a few minutes to kind of delve in to as much of that as we can and and work, working with you kind of peel back the onion to some of these stories that we hear about. But before we jump into the heart of those stories, tell us how did you get into, you're a top sports agent, tell us how did you get into this work? Yeah, previously I, uh, I played college football at Portland State. I finished out with the goal of working at Nike in football brand marketing and I accomplished that goal. I worked there for about two years and then when I was there, uh, I was able at a young age to buy a house and I had friends that were going to the NFL and they were in the league, you know, making five, six, seven times my income. And they thought I was rich because I bought a house. Wow. And I didn't understand why they weren't buying real estate. How were they able to live this lifestyle, but we're still living at their mom's house in the hood. And it was, you know, <clears throat> they were looking at me one way and I was looking at them one way and then some of them started to go broke when they finished playing. Um, and uh, I kind of kind of really got into it with them and really got dove in their finances. And they had financial advisors, they had CPAs, and they had agents. And they just weren't financially literate, um, just based on what they were told and what they knew about finances. And it became kind of like my calling and my duty to help my friends, or at least the next generation of them, because there's no way that some of my friends should have lost their house. The ones that did buy houses lost their houses or the ones that didn't make, you know, you know, seven figures, not own any real estate and not be set up for life. Um, and so that's what my calling was and why I ended up becoming an agent. So I went back to graduate school. I interned for, you know, one of the top sports agencies out there. And uh, I realized that still there were a lot of flaws. And so um, how I also came with the name disruptive is that a disruption is currently happening and a change needs to happen from within. Mm. And so that starts, in my personal opinion, you know, with the players. You yes. know, we're talking about, I kind of saw some of the questions and some of the things you want to talk about, and I'll dive right into it. You know, we're, we're criticizing the NFL for not hiring black coaches, but our own players aren't even hiring black agents. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. And so okay. I don't, you know. Are there a lot of black know, agents out there? Or are, those, are there folks there, coming there are, up in this field? There are a lot of black agents out there. We've been dominating the business for years, the ones that are in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you look at it just holistically, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. When you look at 2020's draft, most first-round draft picks were represented by black agents. But as a whole, throughout the whole draft and in the league, players are not selecting black agents. And what do you think is going on there? What's the disconnect um, as to yeah, the why? The players is... know you all are there, right? They know you mm-hmm. exist. Yeah. So why, mm-hmm. why aren't they hiring you? Yeah, it's, it's simply they think that the white man's ice sometimes is colder than ours, and it's not. We're actually better than them in most case scenarios, especially in this field where we can tell the player directly what they need to hear and not beat around the bush or be scared to say it. Right, right. So, And you're I looking at some... the player's kind mm-hmm. of total life, not just their – I mean, in your in your bio, you said that the average player has a, mm-hmm. a career of about 3.3 years, right? So that's the current average now. Yes. Okay. So when you approach Mm -hmm. them, you're like, okay, obviously I want to help you get a good deal or a good contract with the team, but I'm also going to help you build a life past the NFL. Correct. Okay. And so, um, how when how do you go about recruiting your clients? Do you start? I, mean, I don't know how the agency business works. Yeah, yeah. No how worries, do you go no about worries. recruiting them and trying to sell them on that that message? Yeah, so you get the list of different players that are mm-hmm. out there, and you see who is a top player. And then for me, I select the player. I don't want the player select me. I pick the players that I think align with what my vision is mm-hmm. for a disruptive client. Okay, and they have to check, you know, really three main boxes. They have to want to be financially literate. They have to be articulate. And they typically have to be have superstar capabilities, superstar power. Okay. The ability to walk into a room and, and talk with everybody and really grab the, the audience's attention. Right, right. And so you have you have a nice little roster of players already. I see some of your current clients are Kendrick Bourne of the Patriots. He was the top free mm-hmm. agent signing in 2021. Um, Devin Asiasi of the Patriots. Brennan Scarlet, Scarlet of the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Samori Torrey of Nebraska. G. Scott Jr. of Ohio State and Darius Clemens of Michigan, right? What an excellent yes, lineup there. And with with respect to Samori Toure um, of Nebraska, he entered the NFL draft in 2022. And you say he has a really dope story. Tell us about that story. Yeah, Samori Toure is a direct descendant of uh, West African uh, military strategist Samori Toure, mm-hmm. who kept the French at bay for 15 years. So he is just a very humble young man that really his play speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, he's he's an amazing player just on and off the field. Um, that's really his story, and he really embodies who he's named after. Mm. Um, so that, that to me is he's the epitome of what a disruptive client is. Right. He has a story. He can control the room when he walks in. And he is very, very articulate. Yes, yes. So in light of the climate now, do you think more players entering the league are open to having um, black agents? Or is it still going to be a struggle to to help make that? Yeah, which, which, which goes into what I was talking about earlier. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind being very blunt with it. It's, mm-hmm. You know, 
black Asians as a whole, we still all talk. You know, we may not converse frequently or, or tell the truth to each other all the time, mm-hmm. but we all have had the story and we all joke about it. Where we go in and a player talks the talk, I'm only going to sign with a black agent. And they sign with a white agent. And, <laughs> mm. you know, they were very adamant about saying that without us even asking them. Right, you right. You know, so um, that 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 is the problem that I'm addressing or, or would really like to address mm-hmm. in this conversation because it's 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 a shame. It really is a shame um, because you look at, you know, a lot of the players and their upbringing and how they're raised it doesn't make sense, you know, when when it comes down to it, why they're not selecting black agents when there's plenty of qualified agents. There's a lot of, I've seen players in the pandemic go out there in March and talk the talk mm-hmm. and go and get black fists tatted on them and sign with white agents. Right, right. So what... That is not, that's not correct. Let's see if we can connect this to the NFL itself. Is there mm-hmm. anything that the NFL can do to incentivize black players to hire black agents? Like, is there a way the NFL can validate the agents, the black agents out there and say, we're, you know, you don't have to be worried. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a good, fair deal, whether you're with a black agent, a white agent, or, you know, any color agent. Like, any anything that the NFL can do as a part of its efforts and its new you know, what it says is it's a its commitment to help diversify mm-hmm. the league across the board. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not see. There's the, there's the NFL and mm-hmm. there's the NFLPA. There's the NFL, which is a union of owners, right? All right. the team owners are that's that's the NFL, right? right? That's the shield. And then there's the NFLPA, who is who we represent, who we negotiate on behalf, represent the players, okay. right? And that, just for our and listeners, so, that's the Players Association, mm-hmm. right? Their union? Correct. Okay. Correct. That's their union. So there's nothing that the league can, in my personal opinion, do. It's the players demanding that for themselves. Right, right. And then does that also transition into kind of what we've been hearing in the news with Brian Flores' lawsuit against the league alleging race discrimination and mm-hmm. being passed over by teams, which is representative of the issue you're speaking about, but just mm-hmm. overall a lack of black leadership ownership within the league. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what's happening now on the other, the flip yeah, side well, of it? Just, just the flip side of it, you know, Brian Flores just got hired about 20 minutes ago. Oh, he did. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. He did, he Congratulations. Did as, as the assistant's uh, defensive coordinator coach, or I'm not sure the exact title, but the Steelers did just hire him. Okay. But is that a step back if you've been a lead coach, a winning coach? Uh, it, it has happened in, in numerous times. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, even not only the players, I think taking a step further, you look at coaches you know, black coaches back in the day had black agents, and now they don't. Mm. So with Brian Flores' situation, you know, this may be taboo, but I'll, I'll go out and say it. Brian Flores' agent is white. His lawyer is white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I know Flo, and he's a very good coach, but I'm challenging black coaches as well. Why don't you have a black agent? Mm-hmm. You look at in the heyday of when – there were the most amount of black coaches. There were head coaches in the NFL. They had black agents. 
Right, right. Okay, so it's it starts um, even before they get to the league in terms of who they pick as an agent. And mm-hmm. I think I feel like what you're saying in, in large part is sort of ironic that we're having a, com- you know, someone like Flores is saying, hey, I've been passed over because mm-hmm. I'm black. But when challenged themselves to hire black agents, to have a black team, that we're not seeing that translate in terms of who the players and the coaches are, are picking themselves. Correct. And that, you look at black publicists that are being hired mm-hmm. for the players, you look at black CPAs and accountants and financial advisors and lawyers that are mm-hmm. being hired for the players, mm-hmm. and they're not picking their own race. So, and there's very qualified candidates in each of those fields. Right, right. Are there any players that kind of represent the pinnacle of what you're talking about, where they do have a black agent, a team, they're not ashamed of it, they're unapologetic for it? Well, it's not even being unapologetic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're hiring the, the best. You know, you, you, you want to hire the best. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Period. So it's not just so much hiring somebody because they're black. You want to hire the best. Right. What right. I'm saying is that there are qualified candidates in these positions that are not being hired. So how can we point the finger at the NFL hiring practices when internally on a player and coach's standpoint, we don't even hire ourselves? Right, right. Wow. So there, there's work. We can't just point the fingers, what you're saying. We have to start Correct. internally as we do with so many things. Well, so what did you think of the Super Bowl last week? What did, not just for, you know, who won, you know, but just from mm-hmm. the perspective of maybe being a, you know, agent for change in, in the league. Yeah. Do you think it made a difference? Do you think it would make a difference? Um, I saw in the <laughs> sidelines they had all these positive messages like we stand together, etc. I mean, was that just lip service or you think we're going to see some real change? Uh, I mean, I think that we're seeing real change. I think that the, as a, the media as a whole and just we can do a better job seeing the change. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, each owner wants to win. Right. And historically, in the past two seasons, the team that has had more black coaches has won. Mm. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers assistant coaches are all black. Right. The Rams assistant has more minority assistant head coaches, or more assistant, more minority coaches, black, you know, different black as far as Thomas Brown, running back coach, who also has a black agent, um, has more minority coaches. Mm-hmm. They've won. Right. So I think it's like if you want to win, you're going to have the best talent on your team, right? And the majority of the best talent in the league is black. And that's across the board, right? Yeah. The proof is in the pudding, right? (laughs) Correct. So it's if you want to (laughs) win, period, owner, player, you're going to hire the best. Right, right. Right now we're the best. We have a couple of minutes left, but give our um, listeners any quick insights about the Rooney Rule. What is the Rooney Rule? Does it work? Does it matter? Yeah, the Rooney Rule was established in 2003. It has uh, elevated over the course of the past couple of years as well. Um, essentially, the Rooney Rule is to promote diversity and leadership. It's for head coaches, GMs, and other uh, personnel in the front office, and in 2009, it opened its spans to GMs and other, you know, people in the front office to get interviewed. 
So each time there's a vacancy, two members of minority have to be interviewed in order for that job to be fulfilled correctly. Right. You also have, you know, if um, a minority is, candidate is pulled from another team and hired for a head coaching role, then that team receives, you know, compens- compensatory draft picks, right, right. which is really big, uh, which is really, really big for those teams. So yes. there is an incentive for teams to really incubate and bring on more minority coaches. Yes, yes. Um, the question is, is really, is the issue really is, it's not that, not only they're not, in my personal opinion, they're not only not hiring, it's just the challenge is, is there's not enough black coaches as a whole mm-hmm. in that feeder system that they're being groomed. Right, right. Um, we don't get the, the opportunity to um, just get hired because we're somebody's kid. Cause right. That doesn't exist. So, um, well, great insights, great insights, Harry. In our last few seconds together, what's up next for the Disruptive Agency? And for those families that want to learn more about your agency for their son and maybe future daughter, um, how do they get yeah. in touch with you? Yeah, please feel free to look at our website, DisruptiveSports.com. Hit us up on Instagram, Disruptive Sports, um, and just continue to follow our journey. What's up next for us is is the goal is to inspire more black agents to come into business and have a place that's fully minority owned and funded for them to, you know, live out their dreams. I love it. I love it. Keep up the great work and you are going to be our go-to sports agent for this show. So give us a call anytime and we'll definitely be bringing you back. All right. All right. (laughs) Keep shining. Keep shining. We applaud all that you're doing. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. Next up, we have Assemblyman Mike Gibson of the Assembly, uh, 64th Assembly District, talking about law enforcement and police reform as we come forward. Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright. You're listening to the all new Weekend Lineup of enlightening, encouraging, and empowering talk shows. Exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. We are celebrating Smokey Robinson this week. Um, it was his birthday, February 19th. I second that emotion. This is Angela Redock Wright with KBLA Talk 1580 Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright. Just before this segment, we were talking to Henry Organ of the Disruptive Sports Agency. He get he shed some insights for us about what's happening in the NFL and the work um, that he's doing to empower black sports agents to have a seat at the table and to represent more players in the league. And now we have continuing Equally, if not a more important discussion, um, Assemblyman Mike Gibson, who is on the line. Good morning, Assemblyman. How are you? I'm great. Good morning to you. Thank you so much. Good. I know you have a busy day, so I really take um, appreciate you for taking time out to speak with us. Just to give our listeners who don't know you a little information about you, um, Assemblyman Gibson is my Assemblyman. He represents California's 64th Assembly District, which includes many South Bay cities like Carson and Compton and many other great cities. Um, he is the current chair of the Democrat Democratic Caucus since 2016. 
2016 and the chair of the very important committee, the Select Committee on Police Reform and the Select Committee on Infectious Diseases. So he has been in the heart of things um, during his time in the assembly, which um, you were elected in 2014, right, Assemblyman? That is correct. And there's so many things we could talk about today. I know you're just leaving. You um, sponsored a prayer breakfast today. How was that? The prayer breakfast well attended. It blew my wildest imagination. The Mount of Los Angeles, specifically the Watts Area Minister Alliance, came out to embrace me, to support me, to pray for me. Um, it was great. What were some of the things at the top of the prayer list? What are some of the things at the top of your prayer list for your district? What are you working on? Well, Angela, first of all, thank you very much. What keeps me up at night, and I I mean that seriously, I don't know if there's anything that keeps you up at night, but what keeps me up at night is whether or not these babies are going to get home safe and sound to their parents. What keeps me up at night is a mother who don't know where her son or daughter is, um, and then the phone rings at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's a law enforcement agency asking you to come identify your son or daughter who just been taken out, been killed by gun violence or gang violence. Um, that's what keeps me up at night. I want all fam- children, people to get home safe and sound. We are seeing an increase, a tick. You th- yes, I, I chair the select committee on gun violence. I do that. We put nine bills before we put uh, <clears throat> almost 13 bills before the governor's desk last year in 2021. And the governor signed. We lead the nation as it relates to now police reform than any other state in the United States of America. But we not only are we trying to do this to make sure we weed the department from um, bad apples, but we also need to make sure at the same time that we address the gun violence that peripherates our community, where we just had a young man in Carson who fathers an LAPD officer who was killed a block from his home at 28 years old. We had a young girl who was 16 years old, whose mother is not, um, is not mobile, whose daughter was potentially in sex, um, sex trafficking, who someone shot her in the neck, killed her, and dumped her body off of the 110 freeway between Manchester and Figueroa like a piece of trash. These yes. are the things that keeps me up at night. These mm-hmm. are the things that I'm wearing. If my own kids are going to come home, my son was shot on April the 5th, uh, 2020, uh, 2000 and, um, 2020. He and his fiance walking down the street. One man was killed. My son was shot in the back twice. His fiance was shot in the leg. Another man was shot in the hand. Randomly, these things are happening, and no one is immune from it. And so that's what keeps me up at night, making sure that we have just laws on the books to decrease the gun violence. That's why I'm taking on the NRA again. I want to make sure that we stop having ghost guns being made and manufactured in the state of California. So the governor said, I need a bill. And I said, sir, I have the bill. And so yesterday he declared war on the, the, the gun manufacturers, and now we'll be able to, once he signs the bill, we'll be able to sue them. If we can sue a car manufacturer for you get in an accident and the seatbelt doesn't work or the airbag doesn't work, we can sue them for, mal, for, for malfunction. Shouldn't we be able to sue a gun manufacturer who guns winding up on the streets and killing our babies? We should be able to do that. We can sue everybody else. Yes. And so we're taking this thing on, and this will keep me up at night. Mm-hmm. Wow. And 
um, you have a lot on your plate. And, and that's really what I wanted to sort of dissect that you, it's not just one or two bills, you have presented multiple bills and had several of them have passed around issues of gun violence, law enforcement and police reform. So the bill you're t- you were just talking about, the one from the press conference yesterday, I believe that is AB 1594. Well, is it, I'm a, or it's I'm a, a combination I'm a of bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 15, Assembly Bill 1594 gives a private right of action where you can sue gun manufacturers. If your son or daughter is killed by a gun um, and that gun is found and it's traceable, well, we can, you will be able to now sue the gun manufacturer for that in civil court. Like every like everybody else is doing. Right. And we borrowed bill, that concept yeah. from the state of Texas, right? Uh, something good came out yeah. of the state of Texas, like with the abort- abortion law, um, where private citizens can sue individuals that they believe are seeking or getting an abortion. So it's a similar concept concept here, right, where we're giving private citizens the right to um, sue, as well as the California State Attorney General's office, manufacturers of, of guns. Absolutely. The governor, Gavin Newsom, when when Texas uh, declared war basically um, on abortions, uh, the governor said this, and I quote, if Texas can, you can, if you can sue someone uh, for getting an abortion um, in life, then we're going to take on the gun manufacturers to save lives. And so he's taking this head on, right? Because there's too many people dying in California at the hands of someone who should not have a gun. Just yesterday, he showed where there's an AK-47, but it's a junior AK-47 where out of Chicago, they were using this as a prop. But no, it had a skull. It's a smaller version of AK-47. It also had a, a skeleton um, cross on it, and it had a petrifier. Well, that's a subliminal message to our community. Even if it is in Chicago, you're going to make a smaller version of an assault weapon, um, and that assault weapon is going to see its way into our communities of color. So now you have a, a miniature assault weapon that's like an AK, like an AR-15, that's going to have and carry multiple magazines that's going to kill people. It's going to take people's lives, and we are trying to save people's lives in this state from gun violence. Yes, and and so this bill will obviously go far in that. I imagine we'll see a number of actions. And we actually just saw this past week. I don't know if you saw in the news where the families, um, the families in Connecticut from um, gun shootings from many years ago sued the gun manufacturers, um, alleging that the gun manufacturers um, basically glorified the AKA rifle and that in part led to the shooting of their children. Did you hear about that story? That's one of the first cases where families have recovered against gun manufacturers themselves. Right, but here's, and Mm -hmm. watch this, what, The Republicans did in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, they made it where it is impossible that you can bring charges and win in court while filing a lawsuit against a gun manufacturer. So we have people in Washington, D.C., the Republicans, who when they were in control, they rushed a bill through that was signed by the president, not this president, that was signed by the president to say that you cannot sue a gun manufacturer on a federal level. 
Mm. And so that's wrong. If you can sue a car manufacturer for a default seatbelt or airbag not deploying to save someone's life and someone loses their life, why shouldn't we be able to have the same right to sue a gun manufacturer, especially if it took one of our loved ones away from us? And so we're trying to create a, a, a level playing field, a playing field of equity, and making sure that the balance of justice really is balanced when it comes down to holding gun manufacturers accountable. And so California is going to take it on. And I'm hoping that one, that once we take this on, that other states will follow because other states follow California. And I'm happy to live here. I'm happy to be a lawmaker um, in this state where there's progressiveness taking place, especially around uh, police reform and when it comes down to gun control. Great place to pause, Assemblyman. I, I appreciate the insights you're sharing just so much, and you're definitely going to have to come back when, um, when we continue forward. But stay on the line. want to break down the work you're doing around the Select Committee on Police Reform and some of your bills that have uh, been passed. For example, AB 490 and AB 1196. Let's break down a little bit more of what you've been doing around law enforcement and police reform. And what some of our listeners may not know is that you are a former police officer yourself. So we'll start there when we come forward, continue our discussion with Assemblyman Mike Gibson of the Assembly District 64. Stay tuned. More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick-Bright. Helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward. Smokey Robinson, Tears of a Clown. Happy birthday, Smokey. We're thinking about you this week. We are talking to Assemblyman Mike Gibson of the 64th Assembly District of the Los Angeles area, South Bay area. Assemblyman, he just uh, gave us insights about the gun control law that was uh, recently passed in California. There was a press conference about it yesterday. Assemblyman, you're also the chair of the Select Committee on Police Reform. Tell us about that and um, some of the bills that you have initiated and um, helped to pass, for example, Angelo's Law, which is Assembly Bill 490. And there have been some uh, other laws kind of related to that and stemming from Angelo's Law. Tell us about your work in, in around law enforcement and police reform. Thank you very much. It started with Assembly Bill 1196, and that bill basically banned. So we saw George Floyd. I can't breathe. He said it 19 times, and um, this brother was killed at the hands of police when they cut off the, uh, the oxygen, uh, the blood flow to the brain that led to him getting going unconscious and then dying as a result of that. We all saw this. What, um, and so I did a bill which is landmark legislation in the state of California, uh, banning officers, prohibiting officers from using that kind of method, which is, uh, and also chokeholds. So the city of Los Angeles, when we had a racist police chief by the name of Chief Daryl Gates, um, when the chokehold was, was used by police officers that, and black people were dying, they, Daryl Gates said that our necks were thin. That's the reason why we died. Well, Los Angeles City Council passed uh, an ordinance prohibiting LAP for, from using chokeholds ever again. And so they led the way. That was 30 years ago. So I took that language and also the language uh, when George Floyd was killed, prohibiting law enforcement for using those kinds of those two techniques, um, which is the carotid artery restraints and also chokeholds. We prohibited the governor signed it into law. Law enforcement cannot use those methods, which is law, which is, uh, you know, it was landmark legislation. I'm happy about that. 
there was a young brother named Angelo Quinto of Filipino descent. He was also um, a United States Navy man. He served this country. He came back home, lived with his parents. Uh, he had a mental episode. In your uh, district, right? Hall. He's from Gardena, California? No, no. No, he was from Antioch, California. Antioch. Okay. All right. Antioch. I'm thinking of the Bradford Bill. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. He was from Antioch. Yeah, he was Antioch, California. And the police came and they laid on his neck. So George Floyd, uh, the blood was, 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 was stopped flowing. And then Angelo Quinto, oxygen was restricted. So I did a bill called um, prohibiting um, law officers from using um, any techniques or methods that will cut someone's uh, ability to breathe off once they're being placed in the custody. It's called positional asphyxia or asphyxiation. So I did that bill, which is Assembly Bill 490, that says the law enforcement cannot use any methods that cuts a person's ability to breathe. Angelo Quinto died um, uh, four days a- um, after Christmas in 2000 and, um, 2021, uh, 2020, um, before my bill went in effect that, that of January the 1st. And so those are two landmark legislation prohibiting law enforcement from using these kinds of techniques that kill people. Before we knew George Floyd, um, there was a brother, a Latino brother named uh, Fernand Valenzuela in Santa Ana. Yes, Same I remember that. Mm-hmm. 30, the city of Santa Ana paid out $33.1 million to the family. That doesn't bring that, that father back. That doesn't make up um, for their children not having a father at graduation and Christmas and, and all celebrations just being in, the, in their life. We're saying enough is enough. You can't use these techniques because it's been proven that it kills them. And so <clears throat> Senator Steve Bradford did decertification, SB2. SB2 basically say that if you are found to do, use excessive force or deadly force um, and you get fired, you can never work in law enforcement in the state of California ever again. So it's called decertification. And we believe it's the right thing to do because if you can disbar an attorney, malpractice, if you can take away a doctor's license for malpractice, a, a teacher's credentials who's been teaching for, for and whatever law they've broken, why shouldn't we be able to do that for police officers? We want to remove bad apples in law enforcement, and not only do we want to remove the apples, but sometimes we have to remove the tree as well. A great place to pause, Assemblyman. Uh, Let's continue this discussion. We'll have a couple more minutes when we come back. We're talking to Assemblyman Mike Gibson of the 64th Assembly District. Stay tuned. More KBLA Talk 1580's all-new weekend lineup when we come forward. Yes, that's Smokey Robinson cruising, and we're talking to Assemblyman Mike Gibson of the 64th Assembly District. We'll definitely have to have you back. There's so much more I want to go over with you and dissect with you. But Assemblyman, maybe in this last minute, one minute that we have, um, I think many would find that the irony of the work that you're doing now is that you were a a former law enforcement police officer. So some might think, well, you know, why would you take on these issues as a former police officer? Help us make that connection. And then we're going to bring you back for sure. Because it keeps me up at night, because I don't like what's taking place in the profession that I once loved. And I want to make sure that not only police officers do the right thing, but also our streets are safe for our kids to walk down. And so I take this because it keeps me up at night, and I want to make a difference. Even as a former police officer, I want to make a difference, not for my generation, but for other generations to come as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, keep up the great work. And we're here. We're cheerleading you on and and definitely want to have you back. Have a 
an amazing day and weekend, Assemblyman. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. You too. Up Thank next, you. this is you've been listening to Angela Redock Wright, Legal Lens with Angela. And up next, we have Urban Wellness Now with my good friend Cynthia Brooks. And our closing quote for this week, it is also Frederick Douglass's birthday this week. He would have been 127 years old. And he once said, you are not judged by the height you t- the heights you have risen, but from the depth you have climbed. So keep climbing, folks. Keep your heads up. And until next time, have a great weekend. Have a great President's Weekend. Stay safe and enjoy your family and friends. And be sure to listen in every week to The Legal Lens with Angela Redock Wright on KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to The Legal Lens Show. Have a great Saturday, folks. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.